While this podcast contains little to no explicit material, it is sprinkled with some uncensored swears. Listener discretion is advised. Like skin, pray for evenings in. Hold their hands in the street when you walk them off to school. A box too full to shut, a cardboard paper cut, the bleeding edge of a picture of your parents when they were cool. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes the day fading as it passes. Forget the gray, let it fall apart. It's okay. I like you in glasses. Hello, everybody. Greetings. Yes. Ahoy. Ahoy, hi. <laughs> yep. Shiver me timbers, all that. <sighs> the underplex is open ish. I mean, we're open. But the film we're covering is sort of. This is a weird episode, y'all. Just strap in, because we're doing a weird episode. It's strange, huh? Yes. <laughs> we have covered a shelved film before on this cast, but now we're covering a movie that never really got made, and we're covering it anyway. Mm-hmm. And we're going to also kind of talk about the little bit, a little bit about the current climate and about other movies you won't be seeing. Yeah. So, yeah. in fact, can we begin by addressing that current climate right now? Because I think we need to get that out of the way. Otherwise, this is the thing that's going to be hanging over us. Yes, let's... Uh, yeah, let's do. Let's get into it. Because, like, th- this particular episode was originally going to be up and out within a few days of the leak. But life goes on. Life happens. And then mm-hmm. life happened. Yeah. Of course, what we're speaking of, unfortunately, is the decision by Warner Brothers to shelve and in all likelihood destroy the Batgirl movie. Yes, the Batgirl movie and also uh, to Scoob. Scoob. Did they really take Scoob off? Scoob Holiday Haunts, the direct video sequel was direct streaming sequel was canceled. It is only two million dollars away from completion. Oh, man. Not to mention a number of shows have been completely yep. scrubbed from HBO Max. Yes, and everyone's everyone's holding up Infinity Train as the example, which, yes. I, but there are many examples. There are mm-hmm. many. You know, it's a struggle being a fan of any sort of animation, especially TV animation, uh, especially now, to for it to uh to hope for a physical release so the more popular ones make it if fanny train got two seasons on dvd two of the four all the rest of them i'm pretty sure don't have any sort of physical release and this was the only place they were going to be available thanks to a deal with cartoon network for exclusive releasing rights now some a good deal of them are available on voodoo i should point that out but, That's good to know. But that doesn't excuse what was done. Now it's got to be pointed out that the handle that the Zaslav era of uh, Warner Brothers is probably going to go down as the worst any studio executive has ever had. This is a train wreck, but it doesn't absolve the fact that again, a movie that I was very, very, very excited to see, I will never get to see. 
and count yeah. me in the and, and we will happily come back and put an, an amendment on this if in fact it does leak out in some way because to be clear the movie was scrubbed for tax reasons if they don't release it they don't they get their money back in taxes supposedly they're holding a uh, screening of the rough cut that they have so far for the cast and crew that's the only place it's ever going to be seen and then it will be put either on the shelf or, and I believe this is most likely, they're going to delete it. Yeah. I think they're going to delete the footage, which has it's happened already, before. It's already been deleted off of the servers. Uh, no, it wasn't that it was deleted. It was that they were nope. blocked to having access for it. It was a bad translation of the article. But that's what it, but the, the, the directors don't have access to it. We want to make it clear that if media is made, it should be finished and it should be released. And that's the climate that we're in. Um, you know, it's funny because between us doing the uh, Fantastic Forecast and now, one of the things that has come out is why the movie got off the shelf in the first place, why it leaked in the first place. And it is that, yeah. the, and I guarantee you this was on Warner Brothers' mind if anyone knew about this. The director had a cut of the film. And I'm guessing that for legal reasons, they had to finish the cut of the film. So the director had a finished cut of the film. He went and had a copy made of it. It's reasonably certain that because that is the only time in the chain of command that anyone knows that a cut of the film was out that because the director had a cut of the film it it leaked out or someone made copies so someone looked someone took it took it and they made boot duplicates and then someone took it and they made duplicates of the duplicates and that's how it spread out was that when it was transferred for the copies that's what happened so that's why we were able to review the Fantastic Four movie. And that's yeah. actually a really good segue into what we're going to talk about today. Because the Fantastic Four movie was a lovely little film that should never have been put on the shelf. I honestly, as someone who has become an expert in the direct video movies of that era, man, that would have been one of the best ones. I've yeah. seen what Full Moon did. No, that one would have been awesome. And just, just to be clear, for those who haven't gone back and listened to our uh, Fantastic Four coverage, we did that episode expecting to like make fun of it. Yeah, and we really kind of wound up going, oh, this is really like, cool. This is actually really kind of badass. The, I will say this. The, if you want to see why it is, look up the stills of the thing, and you'll notice how insane his makeup is. Mm -hmm. the, the thing looks ridiculous ridiculously good for a low budget hell he looks good for, he looks better than the two times the studios did him and the reason for that i will point out is that john vulich who did the uh, makeup effects on it uh, went on to do buffy so that's the quality of makeup effects we're getting there so that was one take on a, on a beloved property now we're going to turn to turn our ears to another take on a beloved property that the studio said no to but they said no to it just late enough in the process that we were able to get to watch something special. So I'll let y'all take it away. All right. So uh, basically what happened is a few weeks ago, about a month yeah. ago, about a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, the animatic, the complete hour and a half long animatic for Jindy Tartakovsky's Popeye, uh, a 2013 film, or at least the production was in 2013 yeah. meant to be released around that time it surfaced on YouTube. It was, and then it was immediately taken down about an hour later, but uh, we snagged, we snagged it. <laughs> and yeah. because the internet is the internet. It's up on archive. Mm -hmm. Of course it, it is. Yeah, it will. Yeah. It will. It will never be taken offline now. Nope. 
Yeah, it, I even checked today, and it is there on archive in multiple copies. So yeah, so there you go. Yep. The internet, when the internet gets a chance to preserve something, it preserves it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this cut, it's up there for you to mm-hmm. find and watch. We're not going to provide any links, but you no. you can find it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, obviously it's a rough cut. I mean, with uh, temp music and sound effects and voices, Tom, Tom Kenny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't need to see credits. I know his voice. No, Tom Kenny's instantly recognizable. Uh, so is Gray yeah. Delisle. Who? Uh, Gray Delisle, who uh, did Olive Oil. Okay. Now, though, part partially for her, it's that she's come out and uh, taken credit. Ah, uh, gotcha. I don't know whether any of these were supposed to be like final. Absolutely not. My understanding I, is that I didn't think uh, so. my understanding is that people like Kenny and Delisle go in to do those jobs as temp people. So that they can then get stars for it. What we should note is that uh, there was prior footage of the Popeye film that was released in 2014 and is still readily available to view on YouTube. Okay. We'll we'll throw a, a link to that animation test that on, on our page for this episode. But for the longest time, this was it until the animatic was leaked. And (laughs) now there are multiple theories going around about why the film was canceled. Um, The most likely one is, and I I really wouldn't have gone with this if Delisle hadn't provided sourcing herself, that it was canceled for the Emoji movie. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) I'm mad. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not not particularly happy about this either. I will also say this. I'm going to save my thoughts on this. Actually, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the animatic, and then I'm going to put forward... I have an alternate theory, is all I'm going to say. Well, go ahead and spit out the alternate theory now. Sorry, one thing I wanted to say real, real quick was that the Emoji movie was the reason that Jordan Peele quit acting, so we may have not gotten Get Out. I don't know. We may still have. I No, I think he was always going to do it. Uh, he did, yeah, he yeah. did. He did Captain Underpants the same year. As a get out. Oh, well, there you go. Reminder that Captain Underpants is awesome, and we have casted on it before. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, that's an awesome movie. My theory on it, too, is this. If you're a studio executive and you're looking down the gun at things and you're having to look at who's, what's going to appeal to your target audience, I think if you're honest with yourself, you acknowledge that Popeye doesn't carry any name value for a young audience. That's a brutal truth, but I don't think young audiences know Popeye at all. I think that is, I don't even think that they really knew it back in 1980 when the movie came out. I think it was kind of a dead brand even then. Now, you're referring to the Robert Altman live action yes, movie with yes, uh, Shelley Long and Robin Williams. Uh, Shelley Duvall and Robin Williams. Shelley yes. Duvall, excuse me. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Directed by Robert Altman. Yeah. <laughs> and it's important to know that it's a very Altman movie. Which is kind of why it didn't do very well at the box office. Um, but I'm going to say, Popeye doesn't really carry any cultural cachet with kids. I guarantee you Lola doesn't know who Popeye is. I guarantee you that it's, it's also a tough brand to make sell to kids. Like the idea of a sailor and a, what, it's a, it's a hard sell is what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. 
I sort of grew up with Popeye, but really only in the way that my generation would probably would know it. And that would be through third party distributed tapes and DVDs where the quality was very low budget and Mm -hmm. the cart, the cartoons in question would have lapsed into public domain. Yeah. That's the thing. You would know Popeye. Popeye was like one of those characters who would be like the public domain cartoons. Like, I mean, Casper, I think, kind of has the same issue. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And really quick, can I point out what other thing is in entirely in the public domain? The freaking Fleischer Brothers Superman cartoons are public domain. I am oh, yeah. dying to know how the hell that's possible. Like, there has to, like, I can't imagine there's not some copyright. But no, no, those are completely public domain. Those are those things made me a Superman fan growing up. So, yeah, those things, if someone ever did a theatrical release of those, I would be there immediately. So I love those. But yeah, Popeye, that's the thing. He belongs to that. When you're public domain, you're not known to kids today. So that's a big hurdle of how do we introduce this brand? And yes, other brands have come back. But I feel like Popeye was it's a big hurdle to get over, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, so if I'm a studio executive and I'm looking at that, I don't know that I don't green light the emoji movie. I mean, I would probably have some way to make it so that Tartakovsky could take the work elsewhere, which there are conflicting reports as to if he will. Actually, right now he's working uh, on an adult animated film at uh, Sony. So yeah. there are no hard feelings. Let's be clear about that. Um, he, he's getting to make his adult R-rated mo- uh, comedy he wanted to make about oh, a dog that's about a dog that's about to be neutered who uh, goes out for a last night with his friends. Mm. Yeah, so Tartakovsky is fine. Like the last reports that I saw said that uh, any chance to revive this version of Popeye is dead in the water. So yeah, this is it. This is it. This is, and you know what though. This is more than we get for a lot of things because I was able to sit down on a Saturday night yeah. and watch this. And, and It's extremely watchable. I cannot emphasize this enough. Like, even though it's animatic. It's fluid. Yeah, it's extremely fluid. Like We should probably explain to people what an animatic is. Yeah, that's a good that's a good idea. It's a good yes. jumping point. All right. So an animatic is when you take the storyboards of a film and just kind of do like the bare bones, like work print of it from yeah. beginning to end. Now, a lot of animatics are not fully released to the public. Like, yes, you'll have like deleted scenes here and there, thanks to the Disney vault and all that. And very, very rarely will you get a full in animatic case in point, the criterion collection release of fantastic Mr. Fox, which, actually adds some things that were cut from the film and actually cool. fills in a couple of gaps. Mm-hmm. But that's like the one example I can name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I will point out that the um, extended cut of Into the Spider-Verse that they have um, has a lot of deleted scenes in very varied forms cut into the film, including some very significant subplots that were cut. Um, and some of those are in animatic form, but this is the whole thing. This is, like I said, this is an, this is a full length film. Mm-hmm. And it's not just 
it's not just storyboards. Uh, it's mostly, but it can also be like unfinished test animations that they've done or mm -hmm. like just uh, just whatever they have that they can just throw into this thing for it's proof like, of concept. Yeah, exactly. Like for the directorial, like this is what this is what it will look like. Kind yes. of thing. And they'll lay down like a scratch track for voices, throw in like some very basic music cues to give to the composer and be like, okay, this is what we want for this sequence. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Sometimes and, they'll throw in like uh, soundtrack for soundtracks from other movies, just yeah, as an example. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's basically the ground zero for the end product. It is a case of, do we have something that if we put it up on blocks and get it made, will be a true movie? Let's talk about what they had. Yeah. Because that's the thing. We can clearly, we can, we can outline the plot of this clearer than some movies we've actually watched that were finished and released. <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. How did we review The Legend of Boggy Creek? I'm real, I know that's one of our shortest <laughs> casts. I have no memory of it. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I have some memory of it, but I'm not wow. sure that was a good idea for a cast. <laughs> we did it, though. You can you can though. listen to it. Man, I still love still still love that movie. That's the thing. So, yeah. But, yeah. but so yes. let's let's talk about the movie. Yeah, I was surprised at how little chaff there was. Yeah. Like I spotted some things in here and like here and there that could that's like, well, you know, that line is throwaway and could probably be cut and this, that, and the other. But otherwise, it's very, it's a very tight hour and a half. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. And it very much has like that uh, uh, Sony animation vibe about it. Yeah. This is right around the same time as the first Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. Yeah. I got those vibes too, like heavy, heavy vibes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm glad you said that because having seen Hotel Transylvania and the excellent, uh, very noodly animation style, you can see that very clearly in yeah. here. Oh. You can see yeah. if you've seen Hotel Transylvania and then you watch this animatic, you can see the finished animation very clearly. And I think in doing so, you can really see why Tartakovsky has been very open about the fact that he, he's quite pleased with those movies. He, he's been very vocal about the fact that, yeah, he got to come in and do a lot of stuff he really enjoyed doing, which that's cool. Yeah. Should we go over the plot? Yeah, let's do so. I mean, it's really it's very simple. It's it's let's face it. This thing is made of tropes. Yeah. All the way. Yeah. This thing is that's that's I'll just get out of the way. That's my big complaint with what we watched is. <laughs> this thing is wall-to-wall -wall tropes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the script, I can actually note who was the most known credited writers on it. It was uh, Sherrick and Ron, the writers of the Smurfs. Okay, yeah. I can see it. I mm -hmm. can see it. This is this is very down the line. You Are you all familiar with Pat Oswalt's bit about uh, punch-up on animated films? Of course. Yeah, something that he has been involved in. Uh, he was a writer hired to do it at one point. Mm -hmm. Ironically, ironically, he would later go on to have well, a little bit more to do with an animated movie. But um, he he talks about how you, you're really coming up with jokes for people to to say. You're, you're you're coming up with things to make it funnier that aren't really working on you know. It's almost stuff that has to be off screen. Yes, and and he also talked about 
And I think he's half joking, but really probably not. He also talked about, uh, oh, no, no, no. We don't want, like, script punch-up. We Like, the movie is almost done. We need you to, yeah, have something for the characters to say off screen. This feels like it was at a phase where we hadn't gotten the punched up version. And, and so I will say that. That said, this, is, this, this should not be taken. Like I said, the plot is simple. Popeye is orphaned at the beginning of the movie because he's sick. His father goes to help from the, goes to the sea hag, a character in the comics, for help. His father gets stranded. Like Popeye is helped by the sea hag at, at a very early age, but the sea hag decides to keep him, um, which results in Dad trying to uh, take the child back, as well as this jewel that the sea hag has, which is a key plot device. That's our MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Yep. New series. That's our MacGuffin. <laughs> and, like, the two get separated. Uh, Popeye is stranded at sea. Something happens with the stone and spinach, and we get the first reveal of his iconic powers. Uh, and he eventually washes up shore in Sea Haven and is taken to an orphanage. And we get to see Popeye as a child, along with Bluto as well. We see Popeye being placed in the same crib as Bluto, hairy and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a nice little fight there. Oh, yes. All the other kids are adopted and he's there. Yeah, he's there that... Growing up, the kids would make fun of him for his eye, which technically makes Popeye disabled, I guess, if you want to put it through that lens. We are not looking at Popeye through that lens. It's a take. It's a take. Yes. And, like, while he and Bluto are growing up, we also get our first glimpse into olive oil as as a child, and she lives in the house on the hill with... With rich parents, and the rich parents don't want her to play pretend. They have her life, you know, set out for her. Yep. Yep. Arranged marriage. Well, not yeah. arranged marriage, but yeah. Pressured marriage. Very pressured marriage. Yes. Um, Bizarrely to Bluto. In, in time, in time, yes. In time. But uh, Popeye, depressed, he finds the magic jewel that washes up on shore. At, at some point, he comes across uh, the Jeep. Mm-hmm. A, the Jeep is minion factor of the movie. Yeah, which uh, this is not a character that I'm familiar with at all. I am. I am. I figured if they had to have something in there for the cute animal, I was happy that this was what they brought in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, bad. It, it's a comic character. It's a character from the comics. I can excuse it. Mm-hmm. It's like when the Peanuts movie had Charlie Brown having that dog that did all those weird things. It was from the ah. comics. I accept it. I did strangely thank thank you, Robot Chicken. Recognize Wimpy. Yep. Yep. Wimpy Wim- does mm-hmm. make a cameo here and there. Yeah. yeah. Tiny disappointment for me because I always found the character funny. But yeah, he's he's there. Yeah, he's there. I will say a knowledge of the comics is actually a real big benefit here. Which is kind of not, which is a good thing to say. It is also within this jewel that Popeye sees that his father is being held hostage or held captive someplace. And it's up to Popeye to 
go out and save him. It's like, well, how am I going to do that cube building montage of boat? Which is really, it's weird because I, I watched it in this animatic form. It pops in my head as surely as if I'd seen it fully animated. Yeah. It's like, really well done. Yeah. It's, it's extremely smooth to watch. Very strangely. Like, you don't even really have to watch it that much with the, okay, I've got to imagine the final, you know, whatever. Like, everything's there. Very impressed. This montage carries through a number of years, and we get to see grown-up adult Popeye as he's about to, uh, like, he is about to set sail, but needs to uh, ask for directions, and the best place to get directions is in a tacky franchise seafood restaurant. That entire sequence had me gut laughing. I did love this. This was great. (laughs) This was the most satirical, funny thing in the entire project. And uh, the idea that, okay, we're expecting, you know, some dark din. And it's like, no, no, it's the tackiest place on the planet. It's Mm. become gentrified. Mm -hmm. It's a pirate theme restaurant. (laughs) Gentrification jokes will always make me laugh. Mm -hmm. It's it's an easy (laughs) joke. It's a seafood restaurant that comes complete with a kid menu as the mysterious man in the Gordon's Fisherman outfit slash staff outfit outlines a map, not unlike Al from Pooh's Grand Adventure. Yeah, it's it's a really clever scene. It's really well done. And it does yeah. the job of telling the audience, hey, here's every obstacle that you're going to face. Yes. And uh, I'll... All on a modified uh, kid's placemat in the form of the twisty maze. <laughs> yes, it's great. It's really, it's really clever. But before he can set off, something has to happen. Our, our B plot here with Bluto proposing to olive oil, like the ring that he proposes with is like this dinky ass diamond, like no, no bigger than a grain of salt. And the family just laughs at him. Mm-hmm. So, so he steals the gem, mm-hmm. and that part's funny too. I am very impressed with the expressiveness they put into olive oil. Yeah, and uh, the animatic. You again, it's one of those things where you can see the final animation in that, yeah. even though it's you know frame, 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 frame. They just frame. they get the character, and again, they I really have to did. Say, I have to really praise Delisle on this. She's one of those voice actresses who. She's just legendary. She's just a, an insane talent. Uh, she actually took over for Russie Taylor uh, after her death for uh, The Simpsons. Uh, but the thing you most know her for is Azula on Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh-huh. Where in a really surreal thing, if you ever look at pictures of her, you'll realize they made, they made Azula a young version of her. Like, it is the same look. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and she's awesome. She, I love that she's not doing Shelley Duvall. She's not quite doing the cartoon. It's still recognizable, but it's kind of its own thing. She's got some personality. She's really fantastic here. And I don't even want to think of who would have gotten to replace her. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think they gave her a lot more personality than she originally had. So can we talk about the sleepwalking scene? Yes. Yeah. Holy (laughs) shit. This scene alone should have gotten the movie The Green Light because (laughs) it is a marvel of animation. 
even in animatic form, it is it's it's cartoon in the best way. And it probably would have broken the animators brains to finish some of it because it's just a trip. This is it. Like, I won't say I haven't seen a lot of Popeye cartoons because I have. I think yeah. it used to play. I think it that used was, to play in reruns on Nickelodeon. Well, it was, it was really cheap, too. So it got licensed yeah. a lot for TV because it was public domain. Yeah. Yeah. This is very, very cartoony hijinks, like 30s cartoony hijinks. And it's it's neat to watch it. it... Yeah. Like any 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 sort of liberty they can take, they do like the uh, that Popeye ship has a lot of just one time use functions mm-hmm. that are never seen again. <laughs> yeah, it's very cartoon in that way. You thought of everything, Popeye. Yeah. Go ahead. But anyway, so that's how olive oil winds up on the winds up involved in things. Mm hmm. Because she because the ring is stuck on her finger and they make a real point to stress that it's stuck on her finger so that we can quickly find out that no, it's not. And she's just desperate to go on an adventure. Yeah. Jeep sees is like, <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. Tro- yeah. And, trope. And that's kind of where the film really goes into the voyage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a solid half an hour before we get to the voyage proper. Like it, it's very neatly laid out into really like half-hour chunks. If we're doing, you know, yeah, it's it's very well structured. If we're mapping it onto, yeah, mapping it onto the traditional story structure, yeah, X structure, yeah. yeah, they're off on the voyage. Like off and on, we'll we'll get glimpses of the sea hag who uh, progressively gets uglier and uglier to cronier. Yeah. To a slightly uncomfortable extent. I really wish we'd get rid of the hook nose trope. Yes. I am begging the universe. I think the trope that I would come up with would be that her nose would wither. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like. That was uncomfortable. It was extremely uncomfortable. And then coupled with the fact, you know, she's going after some level of riches and i'm just like oh okay all right right. just uh just put one more thing in there to make it crystal clear (laughs) it's not quite the goblins running the bank and you have to put down a rebellion but Uh it's close it is and the worst part is i don't think it was intentional and malevolent no the way that um the goblins and all that are are because the person that wrote that stuff is a hateful monster whose name should never be spoken. She who no. must not be named will not be named on this cast. No, she will not. But no, I was just about to say that it's like, yeah, I think it comes born more of uh, they took a little too much from the comic and didn't modernize yeah. it in that way. Uh, I have to think that's it. Well, it's yeah. like it's like, OK, they mm-hmm. kept Porky Pig with his stammer for the Looney yes. Tunes show. But they figured out, hey, if you make sure that he's like talking and has a personality and you see that he's flustered and he's anxious and you actually understand it, you can get away with it. Yeah. But there's no getting around the hook nose. There's no getting around the very anti-Semitic stuff that, again, was just part of the free floating culture at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. But having said that, there is one thing that they did modernize uh, that. I didn't notice until like two thirds of the way through the film when uh, he finally figured out that 
spinach was his thing. It's like, hmm, he usually sh shoots it into his corn cob pipe and eats it that way. Wait, where's his corn cob pipe? It is not there. Yeah, that's missing. Shit, you're right. Yeah, because... Yeah. Shit, I, I, I just now noticed that. <laughs> I know, right? But, but, but here's the thing. You're not thinking of it because the rest of Popeye is so distinctive that yeah, you, you're not fine. looking for it. Yeah, right, but, but even but he, then, it's like the pipe is sort of part of his ensemble. Like, you, you hear, like, the toots within the, uh, within the theme song or the opening of some of the cartoons, depending on the era. But, like, pipe or not, this would have been an automatic PG because we're getting into a serious, very serious ratings creep here, which is another subject for another time. But, like... Okay, so the Sea Hag clearly has some unfortunate implications, as it were. Yeah. However, that's not the only instance that I've pointed out. No. Like the scene where we have Olive Oil pretending in, in her bedroom or whatever goes for the Alibaba and the 40 Thieves story. And mm. I don't think you can necessarily do that well in 2013 let alone now no it's a, it's a dead horse trope i want to think there would have been some notes before the final thing you know i want to i want to too yeah because again that this is a proof of concept right we we don't know what would have been in the final film yeah but Let's talk about the Sky Pirates sequence because... Yeah, 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 yeah. This has some of the best, most stunning animation. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's, in some ways, kind of... It's not helpful to the film, I'll put it that way. Like, the fully 3D finished animation of what we have is a scene from the Sky Pirates battle. And it's gorgeous. It is very gorgeous. But... Go on. Why the hell are we still doing the man in drag jokes? Why in the ever-loving hell? Yeah, I did think of that. Now, thing. no, you you go first. You go first. Yeah, I I really don't have a right to be speaking on this, but it still pisses me off that we're doing the oh, it's funny that it's a man in dress thing. Um, you know, I want to. I love that I'm going to get to cite this guy, but there's a bit in Marvel 1602. Where a uh, where Jean Grey is disguised as a boy. Now, Marvel sixteen oh two. This is so super important. Was written by Neil Gaiman, and there's when it's revealed that uh, Jean Grey was a uh, is in fact a boy or is in fact a female. A character who was in love with her uh, is is confronted. And it's like, did you know all along? And his response is, I thought she was a boy. I was in love with that boy, and it's not played as a joke. It's not played as a ha ha. I mean, for one thing, it's Neil goddamn Gaiman. So it's not going to be a joke. But I love how lovely that moment is. That the guy just kind of steps back and goes, hmm, that's what happened. I am completely fine with everything that this means. I don't care. That's how you handle that kind of joke in this modern age. This is not it. No. Zephyr, cede the floor to you. Now, again, th this was way back in 2013. Now, the official... Popeye Twitter Twitter account had celebrated uh, International Non-Binary non Pride Day mm -hmm. and included a, a 
short clipping from an original Popeye strip where that is true. That is true, actually. Ah, shit. Let, let me pull up and read it verbatim. Yeah, because actually, you're right. This actually is a pretty. That's a real. God damn it. You found a much better example than I did. <laughs> I'm still not mad because 1602 rules, and I recommend everybody read it. Yeah. Yeah. The official Popeye Twitter account said, quote, it's non binary date. Happy celebration to all me amphibious pals. And the clipping is uh, like an older, bald gentleman, and you have Popeye with pipe, but also in female attire. And Popeye uh, is talking to the bald man and says, Lem, darling, promise you won't be mad if, at me if I tell you something. Bald guy says, Of course I won't be mad at my little wifey. What is it? Popeye goes, I am amphibious. Amphibious. In the next panel, you have Popeye tearing off his garb to reveal his traditional uh, uniform. And he says, I wears both woman's and man's clothes. Arf, arf. I am Popeye the sailor. And off, off screen, you have the bald man fall over in a faint. So. Yeah. Is it slightly ahead of its time? Yes and no with no. what we have in the animatic because like when it got to that point in in the animatic you could easily see a clear parallel to uh robin williams in robot drag in robots mm-hmm. it, it's it's basically that same sequence that same sequence but like looking at it through i guess through the eyes of 2022 and, you know, that previous information known amongst the masses, it would be received very differently today. And let me tell you, Googling that was a difficult task. Yeah. Thanks to a fuck ton of conservatives throwing around a word that they have diluted all meaning of. Mm-hmm. A word that... Frankly, none of us ever had the right to have to begin mm-hmm. with. No, we did not. Because yeah. if you use the word, you are already not the word. Mm-hmm. It belonged to one community and one community only, and not a single person on this call belongs to that community. Enough said. So, yes, mm-hmm. Googling that was difficult. Mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah. I also think... More to the point, and I've got to say this about drag and putting all that aside, it's just not funny anymore. And I think I can point to the exact moment in the culture where the joke died, which is Looney Tunes back in action. When yeah. uh, Jenna Elfman is giving Bugs Bunny the notes and is like, well, you know, you need a love interest, reference to Space mm-hmm. Jam and how Lola Bunny was created so he wouldn't look gay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I am the love interest. Okay, right then and there. The joke died. Anybody else that's trying to do this joke, you're coming after that. It's dead. Mm-hmm. God bless you, Joe Dante, for your merciless <laughs> efforts to kill off things that need killing off. Mm-hmm. It's dead. And more to the point, kids just aren't going to find that. F- they're not going to find that funny. I've never seen Lola watch stuff like that and think it was funny. Lola no. understands. You know, and Lola's a six-year-old girl. She's a pretty good litmus test. Yep. She is the future. And so I hate that you have this sequence that has also, my God, the trope of men trying to capture a woman 
Yeesh, I'm, that one's creepy and gross. It's, it's like, are you just wanting Rule 34? Is that, is that all that these sequences are? You know? It, it would have happened whether or no, not you thought of it. I know. But I'm just saying, sequences like this or the Stabbington brothers in Rapunzel, you're just asking for it. Go to hell. And I hate it because, again, there's, there's this sequence and it's welded to that amazing chase sequence. But fortunately, the movie keeps going. Yes, it does keep going. And, and this is the part where things get rough, uh, per se. Because yeah. the film's main moral is about, you know, being one of a kind and doing things your own way. And that's not really explored in explicit terms until deep into the third act. And by that time, it's already too late. Well, it's, you know, Shrek had the same theme, but like it hits it over and over and over again throughout the throughout the film to where you go. Yeah, I kind of think this movie means it. I would yeah. say I can't I, I would say I can't believe that I'm saying Shrek is better than something, but yes, of course I can believe that. I love Shrek. Mm-hmm. Who the hell am I kidding? The first two Shrek movies are classic. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing. When you get to the third act, yeah, by that point, you know, we've hit our standard cliches. Popeye's realized that olive oil is faking, so on and so forth. Like you have uh, the liar revealed. You also have the uh, character fake out in the false reunion of Popeye and father. You have all is lost. Mm-hmm. The uh, mm-hmm. olive oil is returned to the wedding. Yep, saying I officiated by Wimpy, I might mm-hmm. add. By Wimpy, yes. Mm. I'll officiate your wedding today for tomorrow for <laughs> hamburger today, yes. By the way, there, yep, used to, yep. there, there actually used to be a, a burger restaurant in Conway called Wimpy's Burgers. Yeah, I, I mm. kind of remember hearing about that. Oh, I'm pissed it's gone, I'll put it that way. I am someone who is... Very vocal on his love of a good, delicious, thick hamburger. I'm, I'm sorry, that might be one of the most perfect meals on the planet. And uh, a good burger and fries is heaven. After the Bob's Burgers movie, I deliberately went to the best burger joint in town because I wanted just thickest. Bizarrely enough, I did that before the Simpsons movie, too. That just kind of seems to be a thing with me and Fox cartoon movies on the theaters. Biggest, thickest burger I could get. That's heaven. So, Wimpy, I salute you. You have good taste. Damn, I want a good burger right now. Not, <laughs> not a good burger, good burger, but, mm-hmm. you know. An actual, one of those, you go to a gourmet. I saw a thing online where it was like, here's everything you need for a gourmet burger startup. You know, those burger, those fancy burger place startup kits. And one of the things they had is burgers don't actually taste that good. I'm like, where the hell have you gone? Every time I've gone to one of those fancy burger places, the first thing they make sure of is that the meat is dripping and juicy and just perfect. Yeah, no, no, no. You get what you pay for at those places. Big time. We went off track. Sometimes <laughs> you pay for less, in my case. Like, I, for my birthday, went to a semi-local uh, indie burger joint and was heavily overcharged for the canned Moscato by four oh. fucking dollars. Oh yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't buy the drinks there. You go, you, you better go for the food because the drinks ain't ever worth it. Mm-hmm. Burger and a water, please. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Getting back to the 
<laughs> proper movie. We're actually really wrap, wrapping the movie up pretty quickly because that's yeah. the thing. After the Sky Pirate sequence, the movie just kind of hits speed run. I mean, it does it sluggishly in some scenes, but it pretty much is just like, okay, we've got to check these boxes off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, sort of becomes for- formulaic towards the third act. I did enjoy, I have to say, like the um, they have some interstitial bits with uh, a little bit of narration from a fish and a seagull. Those are fun. And yeah, the fish keeps getting captured by a seagull. And at the end, when the fish says, like, just crawls up on shore, goes, ah, finally, I think I've lost the seagull. Yeah, you know, just gonna relax. And of course, it's a gloomy setting. And then the seagull comes up, pops up out of nowhere, and says, "Hey, man, do you do you know where you are?" It's like this is this isn't rest and relaxation. No, man, it's um, Plunder Island. Yeah, the place where yeah, Papa was head to. It's like, oh, oh no, well, here, hop in my mouth. Yeah, come with me if you want to live. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They hops in and they fly away. Yeah, it's an easy joke. It's a good joke though. I ain't mad at it. Yeah, I like I enjoyed that payoff. Mm-hmm. That was a good payoff. Yeah. So anyway, have to note that. Okay, yeah. so like we get to I guess the the climax of, of the film with uh Olive Oil's the runaway bride, you have the sea hag showing up looking worse than ever. And like as the film goes on, she looks more and more unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um you know, everything's building up. You have all this energy, and then it just kind of, yeah, kind of fizzles out a little bit. Yeah, it's it's not not bad. It's just it's an ending. It's ending. Definitely get, a thing that would have been punched up, maybe. Yeah, you can really you can really tell where they had the film ready to go and where they didn't. But yeah, you get of course Popeye gets reunited with his dad. There's. There's all, you know, it's the standard. Oh, and of course, nowadays, because this is the era that we're in, the villain gets forgiven. There's a trope I could, there's a trope I would be happy if I never see again. Yeah, except for Bluto. Bluto, it is the movie with Bluto getting his lights punched out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see, which would have set him up possibly as a villain for the next movie, but also just as yeah. likely just a running problem for Popeye. Yeah. yeah whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and it is what it is. That's all that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a good way of putting it. Um, this was an interesting experiment, y'all. This was a really interesting experiment. Uh, looking at again, because we're fundamentally judging potential here. Yeah, what it could have been. And uh, while while you guys were talking earlier, I did uh, silently watch the. Uh, test animation, the Sky Pirate test animation. Yeah. yeah, that's about what I pictured. Yeah, that's the thing. that's about that's about it. Mm-hmm. As a, as a simulation of watching the movie, yeah, I think this is a fantastic way of doing it. You can honestly say that you can tell what it would have been. Could it have been more? Is the question. I yeah yeah I yeah, believe so. It there were some definite rough patches in there that. Could have easily been punched up either through the animation or the script, although more than likely it was the script's problem that that I've had. I was real quick to point out that it was by Sherrick and Ron. That's because those are guys that they're hacks. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. These are hack writers. And 
there's nothing wrong with hack writers, but this is a this is this is not the level. This I'll put it this way: what exists now is not at the level of a lost potential masterpiece. It is at the level of a lost potentially good film that really probably would have needed several more passes on the script before it was ready yeah. to go. It's it's a lost, uh, pretty decent afternoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. if, if, you, if you watch it, <laughs> and you know, I do think, I, I put up that question of, would the fact that Popeye isn't as well known, I think the animation would have been enough to get kids over the hump. I think that might have been the thing that could have done it, because it would have been exciting and it would have been fun. It I just think it's weirdly low key is what this is. It's it's weirdly low key in places. But again, that's something that am I saying that because of what it would have been or am I saying that because of what it was? And I don't really know. Uh, Before we uh, get out of this, I do also have to mention one of my favorite little touches is like when he finally unlocks the spinach, as it were, at the end. And it's just like, this is it. This is this my is, it's the big yeah, damn hero moment. This is my go juice. Yeah. And uh, he eats it. And then, uh, you know, he does the whole like bump, 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 muscly things. And I love that the tattoos just form on his arms and glow like the avatar. Yeah, it is exactly what it should be. It is. I thought that was really good. <laughs> Along with the psych gag of what his muscles represent, as was the case in, in the cartoons from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's solid. It's really well done. I, you know, I, 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 I've, I've made it very clear. I actually really do quite like, uh, I, I love a lot of the original material. I really did grow up a, a serious fan of this material. Um, I actually, I do love the Altman film. I think it is wonderfully unique and wonderfully absurd. Um, it is a love letter to the source material. It kind of did, unfortunately, loom a little larger on my mind than it should have for this, because it is such a fantastic finished film. And that's a movie that was so finished that the sets are still standing in Malta, by the way. Those sets are still standing. Well, in that case, I had the benefit of not having that in mind, because I, yeah. I was going to, I think you mentioned you were going to watch it, and I was going to watch it for this cast, but... It's like, you know, I think I should probably go in fresh for this. And I think that that was the smartest thing to do. I also really love the IDW comics. I love the classic comic books. IDW IDW. does great with their stuff. They really do. They really do. Um, I want to say it was Roger Langridge that worked on these. Um, Let me check that real quick. I I will also point out that uh, we did get a Popeye video game. Not not the 82 cart or the 82 cabinet game, but rather a very poorly received game from last year. I'll, let me just, yeah. And I did. And I, and yes, it was language was the writer on those. Yes. Ah, just, just yeah. Just take a look at that. Garbage. Oh my. This, that was oh, for the switch. Oh. This is a finished game that came out. Yes. For the Switch. Oh, that's hideous. That's hideous. Uh, I'm going to... I need to go on my Switch right after this cast and look that up and watch the trailer. That's hideous. Holy God. That's PlayStation 1. Nah, not 1. PlayStation 2 at best. No, I... Wow. That's what I was saying. No, I'm I'm saying PlayStation 1. I'm telling you the first one. 
That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Like Yeah, no, it, it doesn't no, that's not PlayStation 2 level. That's that's bad. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good PlayStation 2 level. No. <laughs> but wow. We'll be sure to put a photo of that in our Oh yeah. As well. Just just so y'all can witness this. Gonna include it. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, the marker drawn movie that we watched looks way infinitely better than this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, ultimately it really took me doing this entire cast to realize, yeah, I really am glad that I sat down and watched this. Because as much as it has its structural flaws and stuff, it has character. It's it is interesting. And it is its own thing and it is what it is. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. And I'm I'm gl- I'm glad I spent my time on it. Yeah. Pretty good. I I hate that we will never see the finished thing, but it also doesn't feel like this is going to be a... It's not going to frustrate me the way that Del Toro's At the Mountains of Madness frustrates me. Just to, this is just sort of a nice romp. It's a nice romp. It's a cartoon. Yeah. It's a cartoon, and it's a good cartoon. I, I know we're a little bit divided on Tom Kenny's work. There's no denying he sounds like SpongeBob. He's, oh, yeah, he's, no. He's not, he's not not doing SpongeBob. It, it's SpongeBob with emphysema. That's what this is. <laughs> but you know what? At least, but at yeah. least it's Tom Kenny. So I, could I like Tom Kenny. <laughs> he's going to be in Little Rock next week. Oh, is he really? He's going to be at the Comic-Con, yeah. The Comic-Con actually has some insane guests, uh, a lot of voice actors. Uh, the first, uh, Kevin Conroy, the first uh, gay actor to play Batman, will be uh, there. Which ah, I think that's nice. Cool. Yes. I yes. did not know that, but awesome. Yeah, he will be there. Uh, also, a certain, anti, a certain anti-vaxxer uh, voice actress from... Uh, Show that my daughter loves will be there as well. Oh no! Someone who was once a very major celebrity crush of mine. That the more she spoke, the less I ever want. <sighs> Not happy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So if you believe in time, this minutes. Yeah. Not <laughs> n- not impressed. Not impressed with with an anti vaxxer No. No. No, but anyway, do better. That, that, and that will all be behind. Uh, that will all be behind us by the time this comes out. So, uh, yeah. you know, I just I enjoyed I enjoyed this experience. That's kind of all I yeah. can say about it. I'm gl- I'm glad we got to do this. I'm glad we got to delay a little uh, mm. to include the HBO Max bit. Yeah, Warner Brothers too. Discovery. I'm not glad we had it to talk about, but I'm I knew. We I would prefer and, to have just talked about Popeye, but. How, Mm, they had to go do it. Mm-hmm. They had to do it to us. Uh, they had to do it to us. Good God. Uh, well, I just want to close this cast with a real strong uh, advisement to people. If you can, buy, buy as much physical media as you can. Preserve it. Make sure that you get it. Make sure you get, hold on to it. Don't let this stuff die. And if you can't, buy it digitally if you can get it in your digital locker. And if, you're, and if it's stuff that's not available digitally then bootleg it. You have no excuse not to. If they're not making it available to you legally, then that's on them. Yep. Bye! Yeah. I just uh, bought that, the Bob's that, Burgers movie in physical. Yeah. I'm holding didn't, on to it forever. Didn't that come with a digital code? It did. So I have yeah. it in all forms. Cool. Cool, you won. Yes. You won. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. So, this has been the Omniplex. Uh, our opening and closing music is Glasses by Jonathan Colton using a Creative Commons 3.0 license. You can tweet at us. We are 
at the Omniplex on Twitter. Uh, like us on the Facebooks, facebook.com slash the Omniplex podcast. You have a question for the show? Uh, our email is theomniplexpodcast at gmail.com. Have a question or suggestion for the show? Email us anything. Yep, whatever. Just send it our way. Yeah, we don't care. Do it. Be sure to rate us on your favorite podcatcher, iTunes, etc. It helps us out. Rate, comment, like, subscribe, etc. Smash that like button. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, I think that's all we got for you. We'll see you when we get there. Yep. Laters. And uh, what's does Popeye have a catchphrase? Except for I am what I am. Yeah, that's the one. That's I mean, the one? Yeah, basically. Like, that's hard to play off of. <laughs> now I'm, we are. I'm, I'm just hearing Dave Coulier's bad Popeye impressions from Full House in my head right now, and I'm, I I do not want this. I do not want. We are. We are. That's all that we are. Good night. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes a day, say as it passes, forget to fail. Plunder Island. That's the place you're looking for. Uh, excuse me, where's the little sailor's room? For the hundredth time, I don't work here! <gasps> I need to find me a new watering hole. If you're starting from Sea Haven, you'll want to be heading west to Fish Stick Forest. Oh, well, no. Actually, in its place will be the Unseen Forest. Now, keeping your bearings will be difficult for the storms will wreak havoc upon your way. Okay. If the forest is unseen, how are we supposed to find it? I'm telling you all I know, boy. For then you will head into the Tartarsaur Seas. Oop, no. You will head into the heart of darkness. And that's where Plunder Island is? It lies beyond, but no one has made it there and lived to tell the tale. Well, my dad made it, and I will too. Thank you. Uh, excuse me, do you have to be under 12 to order the fish stick forest?